Mike. How's How are it going? You? What? Oh, God. I, <laughs> I'm in a mood. And you? Uh, I'm in a mood. I'm okay, though. Yeah. Yeah. Tired. Well, Liam's not here today. Nope. Why not? Oh, he just started a new job. Oh, that was dumb of him. Yeah. Yeah. Do we know where? Don't say it. I'm not going to say no, it. It's say his it. news. Okay. Yeah. I want to send him something. I oh, think we okay. should all send him something to his just, new job. Okay. Just start sending mail. Yeah. Just postcards or something. Postcards, like the the not Bannon postcards that we all sent to Trump Tower yesterday. Oh, that's awesome. Whose idea was that? It was on the internet. Oh, really? No, every, the internet said, hey, send... Uh, not banning postcards to Trump Tower. And everybody started posting their postcards. Do you have a favorite you sent? Not banning, also fuck you. That's good. Yeah, that worked. <laughs> I figured it was to the point. Anyway, so screw Liam. We have a guest. <laughs> and I think uh, our guest is smarter than Liam. Yes. Don't you think? Is that is that my cue? Yeah, that's your cue. <laughs> Liam's going to listen to this and be like, fuck all of you. I'm never coming back. <laughs> no, you know, you know what the goal is here is, is he should hear this and say, I'm never missing another taping. Oh, okay. because when I miss a taping, they mock me relentlessly. This is how I, this is how my parents taught me about love. Oh, okay. So hi, Gabe. Hey, Mike. How's it going? Good. We have uh, my lawyer, Gabe, Gabe Levine. On the line today. Hi, Gabe. Happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Thanks for joining us on the show again. How are you? I'm good. A little cold, so I apologize to the listeners for all the sniffling, but it's not bad. I'm good. You? I'm, you know, as good as can be under current circumstances. Yeah. Yeah. It goes for all of us in the thinking world, I suppose. I suppose. And and how are you, Steph? Oh, I'm doing good. As are, good as you can do. Yeah. So. We've... We, there's a there's like a new bar for good. Yeah. Like I didn't cry today. Yeah, that's pretty much the bar. Yeah, I'm doing great. I didn't cry today. Same. Uh, nobody nobody called me a name on the bus. Is that been happening recently? Uh, no, well, no, not me because you know I'm uh, I I pass for a white person and I live in San Francisco, so yeah, yeah. I mean, I. I just wake up and I look at Twitter and I'm just shocked by what happens that night. Is that and the first I, thing you do when you wake up? Like third. What's first? Instagram. Yeah, me too. It's just like I want some puppy pictures. Right. I want some breakfast pictures. Yeah, it's like nobody can. It's like it's hard to do a rant on Instagram. Yeah. So I like waking up to people's puppy photos and breakfast yeah. and, you know, nip slips and things like that. And then second is Slack, and I say good morning to everyone. And sure. then third is Twitter. Not work Slack. Oh, no, no. Not even on my phone. Right. Um, but what then about- Twitter, what I've noticed is I used to wake up really shocked, like, oh, no fucking way. And then every day I'm a little less shocked. Kind of in that I didn't cry sort of way. It's yeah. Just- what about you, Gabe? <sighs> you know, I've been trying to more and more stay off social media. It's not entirely possible but um it's done wonders for my productivity and mental health yeah i i think that's a good call 
I think we all were getting pretty absorbed and, uh, it's like stopping drinking for a couple of weeks. You're like, I can do this a couple of weeks. It's going to be hard, but I can, I need to show myself that I can do this. For the, so I, for the record, I want to make sure that all our listeners out there know this is a horrible time to stop drinking. <laughs> so in no yeah, way are, are we advocating that? No, I do, as, as your lawyer, I don't advise, <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's really helped because I used to get, first of all, I, I'm a bit at a loss about what to do. I keep thinking of things to do and trying to do things. But uh, whenever I'm on social media, I feel like everybody's saturated with this stuff, right? You can't yeah. post another post. You can't post another link. You got you to gotta actually do something. And the sending the postcards is, is doing something. So that's great. But uh, I was at my wits end, so I just stopped. It's, I think sending the postcards does something, but I think that does something more to you. Yeah. To, it makes you feel good. Right. And I think that's valid. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think, you know, putting the thumb screws on them a little bit, just, you know, sending, sending Donald Trump a postcard that says, fuck you, makes you feel good for a little bit. Yeah. And I think that's fine. I don't know. That, yeah. I don't know that it does anything in terms of, of changing, but it's good for your mental health, at least for the next 10 minutes. Yeah. Right. Until you start thinking, well, now I'm on his list. And when he comes to when he comes to round up the Portuguese, I am screwed. Oh, let, let you all of us are already on his list. Yeah, I know. I know. I know. So what other stuff have you both been trying to like manage stress and not fixate on what's going on? I mean, I have been working out like crazy, much more than I normally do. And it totally helps. It's totally helping. And um, increased levels of caffeine and other substances. But no, I'm, that's about it. Upper, upper, downer, downer. <laughs> yeah. I've I just been drinking. Yeah. You should mix in some yoga with the drinking. Well, sometimes I walk to the bar to get another drink. Oh, that works. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> downward drunk (laughs) (laughs) yeah (laughs) i I wrote a thing yesterday oh yeah i read that because i i realized i had been doing saying all of this shit like on twitter and on this slack channel on that slack channel and it was just all over the place so i want to put it all together in one place it helped me to feel i don't know if it accomplished anything but at least it helped me to organize my thoughts. Yeah. I, I think it's incredibly cathartic. I've done it like three times, but I haven't actually published anything. <sighs> I, have, I, have, I have ideas. It's 2016. It, things don't have to be good for you to publish them anymore, Gabe. <laughs> yeah, I got to hold myself to a standard, you know? Yeah, nobody else is. It's <laughs> end times, my friend. End times. <laughs> yeah, God. It doesn't feel like, it doesn't feel like it here though, does it? I mean, I, we live in this nice bubble in, in the Bay Area where, I, I don't know, uh, you can let yourself forget if you stay off social media and don't read the news, which I'm not, again, advocating for, except for maybe a few days to give yourself a break. I think it's fine to give yourself a break. I think it's dangerous because you forget living in a bubble like this. And this bubble has some cracks. We've seen some shit go down, like in the Castro and in the Mission. Yeah. Like graffiti and people getting beat up. Don't think that you're in a totally protected bubble here. But I also, I want to know, I want to know what's going on. Not so much with Orange Wonder Bread Boy, fuck tool, but I want to know what's going on with other people around the country and the shit that they're having to deal with. Do you follow Sean King? 
by any chance? Yeah, I do. Yeah, I mean that has been one hell of an eye opener for me personally. I mean, I you know you know you know stuff goes down, but good God! And I kind of gave uh, Holly a warning. I'm like, okay, I'm going to tell you somebody to to follow, but it's probably going to ruin your day like three or four times a day each day that you look. And oh, so I'm not familiar with Sean King. Can you more detail about what he's posting? He's a journalist involved with Black Lives Matter, okay. and uh, for me, I came to follow him because of his support for Bernie Sanders, who I was favoring in the Democratic primary. Mm-hmm. But then I just read his stuff. He gets information from hundreds of thousands, if not a million now people on things that go down in our country. And it's for a kid who grew up in San Francisco and has spent his whole life in California. It's Can I swear on this show, by the way, Mike? Fuck yes. no. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it, I, maybe I already heard it. No, it's fucking startling. Every time it's about you know Jews, it freaks me out on a personal level, but much more often it's, it's about something about black people or something about Muslims. And it's, it's slightly less terrifying, but still just God. It's if you want to find out what's really going down out there, he does bring it. I mean, we've always had second class citizens in this country, but now it feels like, like it's, you know, openly approved by the government. Yeah. Yeah, I know. I know. And I, I, I frankly was not aware of the extent. I mean, you know, I've been, pretty exposed to different thinking folks in parts of this country. But I will freely admit I was not aware that there was this much out there. But it's increased. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, mean, I've seen studies that... Right. Since the the days after the election were were drastically more than even after September 11th, which is mind-boggling. It's crazy. Yeah. And I I think what bothers me the most is that four weeks ago, I didn't know I was supposed to be afraid of literal Nazis, but they've been there the whole time. Right. Like just now they have a voice and that's scary. Yeah. Yeah. Why are we freaking ourselves out like this? And we're freaking everybody else out. Well, everyone's already freaked out, Gabe. All right. Sorry. Anybody get a puppy or a kitten lately that they want to talk about? <laughs> Do you have a new kitten or anything? No, I wish I did, though. You should get a new kitten. I should. Are you a cat person or a dog person? I'm a, I like them both, but I think at home I'd rather have a cat. They're just more independent. You know, you come home, they look at you, and they're like, hey, I got cat shit to do, and they go to the window. Yeah. Yeah, I like that. They're I'm allergic needy. to cats. Oh, It's fine. Get one of those hairless ones. Well, no, I'm not <gasps> looking for a solution other than not be around cats. Yeah, okay, okay. okay. On, on my list of problems that I'm trying to solve, the how can I be in the same room with a cat is not very high up on the list. <laughs> Maybe not even a problem at all. Right. <laughs> so anyway, the, the reason that we asked Gabe to be on today's show was because I wanted to talk about, I wanted to have a lawyer here because Steph, I'm serving you with papers. Oh, damn it. I know. Uh. No, I want to talk about libel. Okay. Because that's that's one of the the many, many, many issues that's been coming up lately with the Trump presidency. He says he's going to open up libel laws. Wants to open up libel laws. And, and I want to talk about this in terms of, you know, what this does to the media. Yeah. And who most of which is already doing like a shitty ass job, stretched too thin. I mean, Donald Trump won this campaign. One of the reasons he won this campaign is he, he gave newspapers more than they could handle because these people have been, you know, they've been like reducing their staff by the hundreds yeah. every year. It's like this guy decided, I, you know what? I know how to win. I'll give them 10 things a day, yeah. 10 things a day that they need to deal with. 
and I'll break them. And he did. I just heard this phrase, it shows you how I'm plugged in, but what is it, post-factual era or post-truth era that we're living in? Oh, yeah. What? Yeah, that's a thing. <laughs> no. It's sad. And no, it's not true. And no, we're not going to accept that. Newspapers are running stories about the post-factual era. Facts did not matter in this life. What does that say about our humanity, that we have to have a word for just lying? Like a new word. We don't. So, okay, here's one of the things that's, that's been pissing me off okay. lately. I was watching something on, like, I don't know, I don't know where the hell I saw it, but somebody was talking about how Trump changed the way we report on elections. Okay. Which is, which is bullshit. That's not the phrase. That's a really passive phrase that takes your responsibility out of the equation. Like, we did a shitty job of covering Trump during this election is the honest way to say that. Yeah, I saw a fascinating interview with uh, Woodward and Bernstein, mm -hmm. and I can't I can't remember which one of them it was, but saying those are the two Muppets. Yeah, the ones <laughs> in the. I'm I'm just gonna assume that the listeners know <laughs> who they are. One of them was saying, you know, and, and this was true, frankly. Neither of the candidates had been vetted by the media. The media had just done an absolute shit job. Its primary job of vetting the two presidential candidates. And both of them, both of them are play it very close to the vest. And it's gotten worse and worse, uh, apparently, with each consecutive administration in terms of what information the administration is willing to give to the press and the public. And yeah, I mean, we're at this point now where it's kind of like, well, we get all your information, we being the government, and you get none of ours. And you're just gonna have to be okay with that. And whoever wins the popularity contest is, you know, your next president. Did you invite me on the show to be totally depressing to people? Yeah. No, we, we can cover that ourselves. Yeah, we, I got sure. that. <laughs> we got that down. <laughs> no, let's talk about libel. So, right. so I think this was a, a master stroke of, of evil fucking genius on his part. He scared the shit out of, out of newspapers. And I think it started with his, his fucking jackass shithole curb stomping friend, Peter Thiel. I'm just putting words together yeah. at this point. It's like, it's like Nazi roulette. Like take one from <laughs> column A, one from column B. You could make an app about this. Yeah, and you know the way uh, the way that they took down Gawker. Yeah, you're familiar with that one, right, Gabe? Yeah. So, like the first thing they did was they showed. I, I mean, this is the classic. Like we're gonna we're gonna take one of your neighbors out. We're gonna shoot them where you can all see it happen. Mm -hmm. And that brings the rest of you in line. Gawker was essentially the neighbor that got shot in the back of the head yep. in front of all the villagers. And then, you know, that pretty much killed the resistance at that point. Something I read a while ago. God, I suck with facts, by the way, or, <laughs> or at least remembering things. There's too, there's too many just were inundated. There was an organization that did a piece of research on Donald Trump. I sent you a link to this yesterday, right, Gabe? Yeah. They refused to publish it. The American Bar Association. Yeah, take it on. Go, go, go. Well, yeah, no, I mean, they, they refused to publish it because they were scared, maybe the wrong word, but they made what some people could call a rational decision to not invite a lawsuit. I think it was probably a stupid decision. I don't, I, I doubt that Trump actually would have sued, even though he sues like mad for libel. But, in, you know, of all the things that, you know, people have said about him, the idea that he's a libel bully and that he actually lost these lawsuits, which are supportable facts, was I, I couldn't 
you know, I don't know why he would have chosen that to sue about. But yeah, they, they found, not surprisingly, that he uses the courts like he does for seemingly everything else to to bully people around in right. his pocketbook to, you know, it would not, you know, not publish a story or even when a true, true story is published. But I, I mean, a little glimmer of hope that the New York Times has never stood down and uh, they seem to, not that they're perfect and I don't love them for various things, but they've, I think they've got their backup on this one and, and I've, Oof. you know, been reading some good stuff, but yeah, I, who reads the Times, right? Um, all, all the people too, voted for Too Hitler. many people read the Times, if you ask me. Well, yeah, no, I mean, look, so read, understand, process. There's criticism to go around with all of the publications. I'm no, you know, absolutist fan of any of them. But I, in again, in this sort of post-fact world, if people would just read and educate themselves. But anyway, so, you know, Trump, they didn't publish the damn thing. And what was the study on? Whether or not he's a libel bully. Yeah, and he is. So, so they did. So, the American Bar Association did a study on whether or not Trump was a libel bully, and then were afraid to publish it because they were afraid that he would sue them for libel. <laughs> My God, I feel like they have access to legal counsel where I'd just be like, "Go for it." <laughs> if they if they need a lawyer, we know one. It's inception. No, I think their, their, their general counsel was, I mean, look, it's not irrational, but it's not an organization with a ton of dough. But I, I, like I said, I can't see of all the things that are out there that that would have been the lawsuit, the battle he would have picked. But let, let's, so let's put these two things together. The, one of the very first things that him and his team did, probably before you even realized they were a team, was they took down a media organization mm -hmm. for libel. And then you've got Donald Trump, who the minute you insult him in print, he threatens you with a libel lawsuit. He follows through on a lot of them. He also loses a lot of them. But you're not dealing with, with a lot of organizations that can, that can withstand a libel lawsuit. Like, it's crippling. So is there any defense for any of these organizations that are being sued for libel when it's just an unflattering comment? It's not anything malicious? There is a defense. Well, I'll let Gabe speak yeah. to it. I want to hear what Gabe says. Yeah, I, I'll shut up now. <laughs> <laughs> Interrupt me because I could go on for a while, but uh, there's lots. I mean, he hasn't, he's lost. There was one default that he obtained in a private arbitration setting, but he's lost all of the cases. Um, and he's lost them for good reason, which is that there's, of all the sort of constitutional amendments, the body of case law and the First Amendment in this subject is pretty, it's pretty thick and pretty established. Yeah. And, you know, he will have some trouble changing it. You know, there's, there's a few things we should really be terrified of. Libel, fortunately, I just, I, I have at least a glimmer of hope that, you know, there are enough judges out there and the Supreme Court can say what it wants to say. Yeah. Although I fear that, or I, 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 I'm hopeful, I should say, that they that they won't, even if he gets to install a, a judge in place of uh, Scalia. That this is this is some pretty established law, and what it says is that if you're a public figure like Trump, you have to prove what's called actual malice, and that's just you know that's just a legal term that they've coined judges way back when, which equates to the publisher having knowledge of the falsity of the facts or having a reckless disregard for whether those facts are true. 
it's an incredibly high hurdle. And that's just step one. But that's the basic framework. Either you know what you're publishing is false or you recklessly disregard whether it's true or not. So it's a very high hurdle and there are others as well. So if you're in a media organization that Trump is pissed off at and you get this kind of libel bully lawsuit and it's found to be ungrounded, do you get your legal fees back? Like what happens? What's the actual logistics? Well, now, okay. so now we're stepping outside of law and going to the reality where he does have leverage because he has so much This is where he fucks you. Being a lawyer is kind of a tough job sometimes. And I've transitioned away from disputes because it's so frustrating on both ends, but particularly on the defensive end of disputes, because you have to pay to defend yourself. And, you know, lawyers aren't cheap. And I'll say Trump has ungodly amounts of money. So he just uses that to scare people. However, on the books in most states is maybe all, I'm not sure, is something called the, you know, an anti-slap statute. And slap is two Ps, and it stands for strategic litigation against public participation. And what the anti-slap statute does is it, and it's been used a lot in numerous different contexts, including this one, libel that is, what it does is it allows the person being sued to file a motion very early in the case and have sort of a very quick paper mini trial on whether or not the grounds for the lawsuit have merit. And in the context where we're talking about the press publishing something about a public figure, that is going to trigger one of the protections in the SLAP statute, which is that you're making a statement that, that is you know, in a public forum and it's an issue of public interest. So you got that covered. So the, you file that motion and the burden shifts at this very early stage of the litigation to the plaintiff, let's say Trump in this situation, to prove that his case has merit. And more often than not, he's probably not going to be able to do that. So at least in the libel context, there's some defense. And maybe that's why, you know, I've heard that Trump's been in like 3,000 pieces of litigation or like 3,000 by that, him and his organizations. And I don't think that's a made up, exaggerated number. But thankfully, I think, you know, only there's only about seven or eight, according to what I've read, that are libel related. It's the other cases where there isn't this sort of early out statute where contractors are trying to collect their money and employees are trying to collect their money and other people, partners and shareholders and investors and other people he's screwed um, are trying to collect the money where it really gets expensive and there's no early out. But thankfully, you know, because of the importance of the First Amendment, you know, the, the, the states have given us this tool to fight back. And that's, I think, why, you know, you have le- the beautiful letter from the New York Times attorney saying, <laughs> did you guys read that? Did you get a chance to read that one, Mike? I vaguely remember it, but why don't you refresh our memories? I, you know, I can't remember exactly, but it was basically like, this is the best researched podcast in the world, by the way. <laughs> so the, the lawyer, you know, for the, for the times when Trump's lawyer wrote a, a, a suit threat over the reporting on the numerous allegations of, you know, sexual attack by Trump. <laughs> The lawyer writes back, basically, we're pretty familiar. I can, I'm paraphrasing, obviously, with, with, with these laws here. We're pretty comfortable in our, uh, in our assessment. Hopefully, you'll, you'll guide your client to more capably assess his, his position. And in that context, you might remember that you know, he's got to actually prove harm to his reputation. And basically, the end of the letter was, his reputation so fucked up that good fucking luck with that. It was like the sick, the sick burn at the end of the letter, nice. which is actual case law. Like If your reputation is so shitty already, what's your damages? 
So it was a great letter. So I want to understand what libel is. Can you give us a definition? So libel, as opposed to defamation, is... Yeah, yeah, I always get those two confused. Yeah, so libel's the print version. Okay. Yeah, defamation, verbal. So on this show, we could only defame someone. Yeah, well, I think, yeah. (laughs) And then when you say print, is that just like newspaper, editorial, or can that be like if I go on Twitter and say that he's an orange asshole? Good question. Twitter could count as print, I suppose. So let me run some possible tweets from you and you tell me if they're liable. (laughs) Yeah, all right. Donald Trump is the president-elect of the United States. Who are, who are we insulting? The United States? Well, no, come on. Let's do <laughs> no, no, it's, that's, that's not, not libel. I just want to establish a baseline, you know, like when they give the lie detector tests on TV. Right, we're doing that. Okay, next. Donald Trump's skin is orange. Not libel. Donald Trump was married to Ivana Trump. Not libel. Donald Trump raped his first wife, Ivana Trump. Getting pretty close to the line. But she mentions it in, in her book. Yeah. So there's a difference between repeating and asserting. So I can tweet that Donald Trump raped his first wife, Ivana Trump, because it's in her book, I'm covered. If you say Ivana Trump said Donald Trump raped her, you're repeating the facts. I could say that. Okay. Yeah. And we could get pretty nuanced about it. But generally speaking, on matters of public interest like that, just purely repeating them, you're safe. Okay. Okay. What about Donald Trump owes millions of dollars to Russian banks? That's where it gets interesting because I, I think that information is out there. I'm not actually sure, but I think that information is out there. And I think that if true, you're covered. That's the basic legal analysis. If it's true, it's not, it's not liable. So I could tweet, Donald Trump has an incredibly small micro penis. And if it's true, I'm covered. That's true. Yes. So how do we test whether that's true? other than it's obviously true. What I noticed on the Ivana example is if you cite a source of truth, then it's not libel. I don't know if that's in her book. I haven't actually read it. <laughs> According, <laughs> she says this, and that was, you know, that was kind of at the heart of the whole Times thing is that they're just reporting. They're reporting on what these people, they're not saying that he did these things. They don't know. They can't say that for sure. If only there was some way to actually research whether things had happened or not. Maybe journalism. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Investigative journalism. Yeah. Some people are still doing that. Yeah. Steph, do you have any examples of libel or defamation that you want to test out? Oh, no. Not on the spot. It's a fun game. This is fun. Maybe at the end we can try to come up with some. (laughs) (laughs) Donald Trump is a fascist. Okay, that's a good example. I think that's protected by opinion. The word fascist is so interpretable that I think it's protected by opinion. I don't think it's like a, a provably false fact. Donald Trump wants to register every Muslim in this country. I think you're pretty covered there. He said that. We have video. We have video of him saying that. Yeah. I think you're pretty covered there. You may argue it's not my current position. Okay. Are you going to go tweet all these things now, Mike? Only the ones that you told me were okay. (laughs) (laughs) Donald Trump's conflict of interest is going to put the U.S. in a horrible position in the world and create amazingly distinctive targets for terrorism worldwide. What are you reading? I'm not reading anything. I just said that. No, no, I think think that's covered. Okay. In a number of different ways. 
So you were going to the the difference between um, defamation and libel. Well, Sorry, if, let me I interrupted it, you. if I say it, it's defamatory. If okay. I tweet it, it's libel. Is that correct, Gabe? Okay, so let's go back to what is the definition. The simplest sort of layman's way to think about it, I think, is so you have to say something that is provably false. It is a false statement of fact, right? Or write something in the case of libel. It's a false statement of fact. Donald Trump has a soul. <laughs> right. <laughs> It has to be injurious to that person. It has to cause injury. And there's a few things like, you know, crime, accusing somebody of, you know, say Donald Trump raped his daughter would be an accusation that could be something called libel per se, you know, and it's, it's just automatic because it's, it's a criminal, you know, accusation. But in the case of public figures, they're still going to have to prove some form of injury to their reputation. And so... <laughs> That was the Times lawyer's last point. And it's frankly, it's, it's something that exists in all these claims in the law that people don't think about a lot, which is, well, somebody may have done something, but what's the damage? What's the yeah. damage to your reputation? And I think Trump is dead in the water on any claim of libel he brings. You know, he may do some damage repair on his reputation, but any judge looking objectively at it is going to have to say like, Ugh. So the ABA example where they're calling him a libel bully? With his reputation as a libel bully f- suing for libel, would that just be reinforcing the initial point? Does he have nothing to lose? I don't know what happened there. I don't know why they decided not to publish that. A little deeper reading suggests it may have, there's a number of reasons that may have existed. And I believe that they probably were, one being that most organizations of its kind, you know, they're explicitly nonpartisan. So they thought that publishing this was partisan. Got it. But wait a minute, wait a minute. Wouldn't that have come up when they decided to do the study? Yeah, I don't know. And to be honest with you, I I remember reading, but can't parse who actually commissioned the study and who was going to publish it and who shot it down. It was like a wing of the ABA or something. Got it. But ultimately, it was ready for publication. And somebody, you know, in control of the publish button said no. And, you know, there's various assertions about why that is, one of which is fear over being sued. And then I think the the people who actually didn't said we're not pushing that button said, no, that wasn't it. And we wanted the language softened to be less partisan sounding, like the title and the lead were the, you know, the lead being the intro paragraph were too aggressively anti-Trump for the taste of the people with their fingers on the button. So wait a minute. Wait. Okay. So that brings me to an interesting thought. The idea that something negative about somebody becomes an anti-statement. Like, hey, we did this research and we found out that Trump is a libelous bully. Right. That's not an anti-Trump message. That's just the result of the research. (laughs) Post-factual, dude. That drives me fucking nuts. (laughs) Me too. But I think maybe it's like shows what uncharted territory this is. I think this is uncharted territory if we've decided we've lost our minds. I mean, let me finish my thought, though. Yeah, please. I apologize. Most people who dream of being president and run for it take political office. They don't do stupid shit like rape a bunch of women that they get caught on. They don't sue people just randomly ungrounded. It's just that somebody who had no... It's just never, it's a scenario that's never happened before, that someone is president who has such an ugly record because people who usually become president are planning for it their whole lives and don't build up a record like this. Yeah. Can I spin off subject just a little bit? Totally. And if I'm being if I'm being boring, you shut me up, okay? I don't think you'll be boring. <laughs> I have thought so much about what's next. Uh, lots of us have. I hardly have ownership of, of that. 
But, and I've had lots of conversations with smart people that think about this a lot. And first of all, nod to idiocracy. Have you guys seen that? I saw oh, it yeah. so long ago, and I think it might need a rewatching. I think it would just make me cry now. The basic premise is that the population has gotten stupider and stupider over the years because people who are, you know, smart don't procreate at the same rate as people who are dumb. By Matt Groening. No, not Matt Groening. Mike Judge? Yeah, Mike Judge. And it's a future 500 years down the road where everybody's just a fucking idiot. And the president's a wrestler, a professional wrestler, which I kept coming back to with that video of Trump. Like, <laughs> It's Terry Crews. Oh, my heart. Yeah, yeah. I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So <laughs> we, anyway. We love so anyway. Terry Crews I here on Let's Make Mistakes. Trump and his organization did some stuff better than Hillary's organization, the Democrats. Social media was one of them, right? So, you know, they were just better at it. And part of that was just that he's a, for lack of a, term. I'm just going to be objectively with this term, an interesting person, right? Like he's a shit show. He's, ex- he's an explosion. He's terrible. He's a, he's a flaming rocket of crap, but it's interesting. And he's a celebrity too. He's exactly. di- diarrhea in human form. Right. So, so it's, that's interesting. And so he has all these followers on Twitter for that and other reasons. So that's one, right? Two, he, had a, he stayed on message. He had this sort of message that resonated with people for better or worse. It just did, right? He stayed on the message while the Democrats were all over the place. Three, he, he is this guy. So he's got the means, this, this Twitter following, the, the message and you know, the manner of communicating it through Twitter. And the Democrats didn't. So what do the Democrats need in 2020? Is it, I'm practically in love with Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren. Do they need Bernie Sanders or Elizabeth Warren to run in 2020? How old is Bernie Sanders going to be? Old. Yeah. <laughs> he was significantly older than Hillary. So all the people who said she was old and out of touch. Yeah. Mm. I think there was a couple of years difference between him. He's like 71 now, so he'd be 75 then. Um, but that's not the, that's yeah. not the point. They need, they need a fucking celebrity. I'm not joking. Like, that's who they need to run in 2020. So that's, it, it, Steph, when you're saying like, you know, people who think about, I don't think anymore. I think that, that maybe I'm wrong and I'm exaggerating, but look, if the Democrats want to win the presidency in 2020, they might want to start thinking about recruiting like Justin Timberlake. And I'm not joking. Well, hold on a second. Like, I, I get that you're not joking and I think that's fine. And I actually don't think that's the worst idea in the world. God, is The Rock a Democrat? No, he's a Republican oh. in Florida. He said that he would run for president because he's a Republican oh, in yeah. Florida. Oh, yeah, well, he'll win that. Oh, yeah, for sure. That's what hey, he said. But, but hey, that's not my question. Here's my question. Uh, why the fuck do we want to save the Democrats? So they fucked this election up. It was handed to them on a silver platter. They fucked it up. And, I mean, you could argue that they fucked Bernie over, but, you know. This would be another episode. I'll to argue. open up that old wound. <laughs> I'm with you on all that, but here's the thing. Like, what's the alternative? The party has to change and reform itself. And I think that at some pretty deep level, they realized a lot of them in power realized that. Hence the appointment of Bernie to a decent position, even though he's not even technically a a Democrat. I I think that they realize that and I think they're going to try. They may fail, but they have to get away from their corporate donors. They have to, because that's been, I mean, there's just, there's no, there's no other way to, and if they can't save the party, then there will be a new party. There has to be, there may even be, you know, two parties out of the Republicans. But I think the answer to why Mike is because it's the easiest path to getting what we want. And I think that's, you know, that's why Bernie didn't run independent. That's why he didn't, you know, endorse Jill Stein, also Trump. It's the path of trying to get some semblance of normalcy back and and heading in the right direction. And if it doesn't work, then yeah, there's got to be a third party. 
This is just something I've started thinking about the last couple of days. I haven't made my mind up about anything lately, you know, politics-wise, because it's a horrible time to make up your mind up about anything. Yeah. But I was just started thinking, why the fuck do we continuously keep trying to save the Democratic Party when they can't tie their fucking shoes? Yeah, I think 2016 is a reckoning, and uh, I'm just going to try and be hopeful, but they don't. They've only got two years to figure it out at most. Really, they've got like a year or six months to figure no, it out. No, they need Otherwise, to figure it out now. Right. Because you need to lay the groundwork for anything that you're doing. I mean, if you want to win in 2018, you should already have figured out what you need to do. Do you know how many Twitter followers Justin Timberlake has? How many? 53 million. Oh, I'd vote for him. <laughs> wait a minute. <laughs> he has a lot of followers. So wait a minute. I think we need to explore the fact that you've only mentioned Justin. Not only have you only mentioned Justin Timberlake, but you've now mentioned him twice. Yeah, because I actually like research in my, do you know how, Mike, we've talked about like armchair GMing in the off season of baseball. How sure. it's like one of my, my beloved pastimes. Literally on fucking election night, I was armchair GMing my new Democrat team. Okay. That is the only thing I could do to stay sane. Like I had to start thinking about how to like, just have some to just what, what can I do? And, um, you know, a conversation I had with my two law partners, one of them being my dad, Rick, and the other, Elisa, led me down where Elisa was like, it's got to be a fucking celebrity. And, and I was like pausing on that and I'm kind of nodding my head, like, yeah, she's kind of right. Right. You know, and, and you go and you research the celebrities who have democratic leanings and who are possibilities. And you look at their age and you look at their, their histories and you look at what tools they have at their disposal to get elected, namely, Twitter followers, he rises to the top of like all the sort of check boxes. You know, you've got your uh, your Leo DiCaprio is clearly a smart guy, nope. but oh, rapey. <laughs> yes, we all want them to run somebody who's you know a minority, who's female, who's maybe Jewish, who just is different, right? But is that a wise decision? And the answer, I think, is no. You want a white guy from Tennessee who knows how to play golf and is married to Jessica Biel. I just looked, he'll be 39 in 2020, so more than old enough. Yeah, but Sold. very young too. Which you got to get all those, those millennial votes, right? Anyway, I told you I was going to spin. How much time have you spent thinking about Justin Timberlake over the last couple of weeks? Maybe an hour. I'm trying to come up with his slogan. You know what? We can say they heard it here first. When his curly locks are gracing our screens in the primaries of <laughs> 2019 and 2020. Anyway, you didn't know you were going to get that. No, no, I'm fine with that. But, you know, let's not forget that 2016 is not over. No. The, the question is, though, like... I'm what? checking Twitter now to see if Justin Timberlake just died. <laughs> no. Now, now you're sad. No, I'm really thinking about JT's slogan for 2020. Let's just do it. Should we do a draft Justin Timberlake campaign? Yeah. Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> Mike, oh. do the logo. Yeah, yeah. I'll do the website. JT2020.com.org. The thing is, he hasn't been involved in any controversies. He's like whisper clean. I mean, to a certain extent, that's scary, but... I remember the breakup with Britney. Yeah, yeah. well, that's true, right? I hadn't thought about Britney. Oh, God, she could be like the Republican celebrity, like the really washed up Republican uh, celebrity. All right, so let's play out this 2020 okay. fantasy of yours, Gabe. Yeah, yeah. Let's say we run Justin Timberlake. Right. Your boy. We'll just call yep. him your boy now. We go way back. He's my it's your boy, the Tennessee Titan, Justin Timberlake. Yep. Is he from Tennessee? Yeah. I learned yeah. a thing today. Yeah, there you go. Cool. That's what this show is all about, learning. It's educational. So the Republicans look at that, and they counter with The Rock. Oh, well, okay. So there is a decent chance that, A, Trump 
is not our president in four years by some happenstance, or B, that they primary him. Trump's not going to make it a year. So, okay, so let's say that they counter with The Rock, right? The Rock beats Pence in the primaries because Pence will have to step up when Trump <laughs> just finally says, you know, I proved I could right. did it, I'm gone. So The Rock just totally destroys him in the primaries. So now in the general... We have The Rock versus Justin Timberlake. Yeah, The Rock versus JT. Yeah. Tell me JT yeah. takes that. I would think. I would think. What's your strategy for putting JT over The Rock? I don't think you need much of a strategy, as Donald Trump just showed us. The 53 million Twitter followers might be enough. I mean, the guy's he's pretty funny. He's good in, in front of a mic. He's very, they're both incredibly charismatic. Right. Yeah. You know, this sort of Trump coalition is going to lose a lot of the people that voted. I don't know what the percentage is. Let's just go, let's be generous and call it 10% of the Trump coalition. It's just like totally bigoted, racist, xenophobic fucks. They're not going to vote for The Rock. So the, the true deplorables. Yeah, the true deplorables, but they'll vote for JT. Like I said, you know, he's from Tennessee. He's got, you know, an attractive white wife. He's very, very white. This is what they care about, I think. All I got is I'm bringing sexy ballot. That's all I got. <laughs> That's what you've been thinking about? The entire time. That's all I've been thinking about I is trying you to have to poo. No. I'm looking That's over there. That's my thinking face. <laughs> That's pretty good. And you know what? Like, it's, it's a shame. <laughs> this is what are, you know, the people who are going to actually cast votes or trying to get people to cast votes in 2020 are, are going to need. But fuck it. I think it's what they need. Like, I think this is the state we're at. I don't know. And I could be wrong. All right. The Rock versus JT. Better than this year. What about Alec Baldwin versus Stephen Baldwin? Alec Baldwin <laughs> is too old. Old. Okay. Too old. okay. Yeah. I like this idea of, of getting somebody like between 35 and 40. Because I was thinking it was funny because he played Trump in all the SNL skits. Oh, no, he was great. Yeah. So. Oh, Trump versus Trump. Yeah. Just imagine the SNL skits. Yeah. <laughs> Running back and forth from play to play. <laughs> Or somebody, somebody else plays Alec Baldwin and then he plays Trump. Well, at that point, they get Trump to play Alec Baldwin. Oof. Whoa. Except he'll be dead. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's one of the things I kept saying during the campaign is like, he looks terrible, man. I, he, his doctor says he's like the healthiest, this, this sham of a doctor says he's the healthiest president. Looks the doctor. So <laughs> doctor. Oh my God. The fucking doctor. Ugh. He looks like the creepy dude in the park. Yeah. You know that absolutely. local commercial that gets played at like 4 a.m. On, on like some stupid local station. Are we talking radio here? No, no, we're talking TV. It, like the, the really bad local commercial that plays at 4 a.m., like Mr. Plow or something. You know, 1-800-INJURY-LAWYER. Yeah, something like that. <laughs> I feel like electing Trump president was like the equivalent of that commercial winning an Oscar for Picture of the Year. Yeah, I was in Charleston, which is a lovely, lovely city. First time there back... You don't know, a month ago. And uh, so I got my first taste of like some pretty hardcore Trump ads on TV, which were just American flags and soldiers and fuck Hillary. That's all they were. It very well could have been one of those late night advertisements. The, the quality was no better. Even the sort of production quality was bad. Oh, shit. Do you remember one of the first Trump scandals where he posted no, like... I don't. It was a long time ago. It was like maybe Memorial Day or something where he posted an image with some soldiers and the flag, but it turned out it was a picture of SS reenactors. 
Yeah. Um, and it was like, oh, the intern put Nazis in there. And like, now Still it's all coming together. Oh, shit. I get it now. <laughs> he warned they us all it. along. They saw it. Yeah. Oh, God. We just ignored it. We thought he was dumb. We should go back and study all of the wolf whistles from the beginning. Yeah. Like all the original scandals that were like, no, oh, this will whistles. end him. Dog whistles, not wolf whistles. What's, wolf whistles different. What's a wolf? What's a it, it's like the cliche whistle from a construction worker to a woman passing by. That's a wolf whistle. Oh, okay. Never heard that. I've never heard that either. That's called catcalling, right? Seven. Is that correct? Do you know? It's the first time I've heard it. Can you do yeah, a wolf whistle? <laughs> Is it a howl? You know, okay, never mind. I think it's just called street harassment, sexual abuse. Well, no. That's what it is, yes. Yeah. yeah. I think that's, that's like a, a soda versus pop thing. It's geographic. Got it. Pop. Oof. Yeah, I don't get it either. What do they say in Philly? Soda. Beer. <laughs> <laughs> Schlitz. <laughs> uh, we love you, Philly. I was born in Philly, so I can do that. No, you can't. <laughs> uh, go Phillies. Oh, okay. Yay, the Pinterest. I think we're done here. I, yeah, I've had fun. I appreciate you giving me this opportunity. Wait, so I have a question. Um, early on, you said that libel wasn't your biggest legal concern with the Trump presidency. Oh, yeah, okay. What is your biggest concern? The environment. Okay. Yeah, the environment. States can do a lot to protect individuals, but they can't do much to with our planet, which is, you know, degrading into shit. Happy note. I can make you feel better about this. Please do. Absolutely. Global warming is at a point where there's nothing either candidate could have done anyway. I can make you feel even better about that. Go ahead. Florida can't fuck up 2020 if they're underwater. <laughs> Suckers. They voted for their own existence. Yeah. Dumbasses. Mike, I've had that. I've had that conversation. You must have like run into my dad on the street and had that conversation with him. Yeah, probably. I recognize to a certain extent that's true, but there's there's lots we can do to make an effort and there's no reason not to try. Moreover, clean energy is a massive opportunity that plenty of other countries and us currently are trying to seize on for you know, new technologies. And there's really no reason other than you know, trying to cozy up to, and give favors to people in the oil industry and gas industry. He will be the only world leader. I believe this is correct. Not just like the only major world leader, the only like world leader who says he doesn't believe in climate change. Yeah. Although I did part of that New York Times. Did you guys see any of that? The Times sit down with him? A little bit. I saw the follow-up letter. I didn't see the follow-up letter, but I saw the tweets during the thing. The Charles Blow letter? The one where he's like, no, we, we see you for what you are. Yeah, yeah. that guy's That's awesome. So good. Charles Blow is great. Yeah, I saw that. That was a fabulous letter. <laughs> and, and clearly Trump was trying to like go there to play nice. But um, during that was the first time I've seen him like nod, even nod to the possibility. But I fear that he will change those laws and those regulations and affect the EPA and the Paris Climate Accord so much and so quickly. That's my biggest fear. How about yours? Do you guys have one? Uh, for me, I've just been really concerned about having Pence in the White House, just in terms of like women's rights. And I think it's already, some of his insane fucked up policies are already like 
getting acceptance attention. There was that article in Texas where you would need to plan a funeral for any remains of oh, a, right. a lost infant, yeah, yeah. miscarriage oh, or abortion either. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, that Texas is a huge fucking state. Pence had the same laws in Indiana. That scares me. Like, what's no, going to happen in a few years? That's Pence is absolutely terrifying. Yeah. Yeah. I don't blame you one bit. I don't think you're exaggerating one bit. That's real. They're going to do what they can to fuck with uh, abortion stuff for sure. And uh, the the concept of overturning Roe v. Wade is insane, but they, yeah. they may make a go at it. Man, I wish I had written down all the names of these articles and the sources, but I had been reading one about uh, an organization in Europe where if you're a woman who's in a country where abortion isn't legal, they can send you a pill from Europe to do it yourself at home. Mm -hmm. So there are women in Texas and Oklahoma who email them and say, please help. I'm desperate. I don't know what to do. And since it's technically legal in the United States, but it's a state's rights thing, pretty much this organization has to say, like, drive to Mexico and get this pill at a pharmacy. This pharmacy has it. So just women driving 15 hours to get to Mexico. To, That's insane. Yeah. I, I, you tell me if we have to end this thing, but have you guys ever had a conversation with somebody who you might like otherwise respect about the abortion issue? Who's like, like really religious and really like buys into the whole, you know, pro, uh, pro-life. Uh, so I can even, I can even do you one better on that one. Um, I know someone who lives, uh, in a state where they do not have abortion clinics, she has had two abortions and had to drive to the next state. She is extremely Catholic and a huge Trump supporter. <coughs> she loves Pence. I saw her in October and I just, I drank like half a bottle of rosé, like kill the pain, kill the pain, kill the pain. I don't know. I've like struggled with this a lot. I think it's almost a thing of appearance, right? You know, she's a good Catholic. She's a good Catholic. So it was worth bending on the abortion thing to drive to the different state because then she didn't admit that she had had premarital sex. It's like a domino effect of appearances in the community. So does it matter that you're saying abortion clinic uh, versus like a health clinic? Okay. Planned Parenthood. Mm -hmm. I mean, are we talking about Planned Parenthood overall or? Uh, so I think that was just a slip on my part. I don't mean a place that only does abortions. I just mean a place where you one could receive them. Sure. So they were not allowed in her state or in her region. thing I'm trying to get to is the Republicans' use of language mm -hmm. and staying on message and on yeah. brand and yeah. repeating the yeah. same phrase over and over and over and over. And I think it helps that they're uh, stupid and have no thoughts in their head. Parrots. They're parrots. Yeah. It's very easy for parrots to say the, the same word over and over. Are you talking about like elected officials, Mike? Like, or like people running for office? Or just, yeah, I mean, I assume, yeah. right? Yeah. Here's a question. So what, you know, there's just in the federal government alone, we're talking about uh, 300 elected uh, um, Republicans, how many of them do you think actually feel real, including the fucking president-elect, feel real strongly about abortion? Like, actually believe? 5%. Exactly. It's just one of those divisive issues, right? And we might be off. Maybe it's 30%. But they all pretend like it's, it's one of those divisive issues that the GOP has, as you say, sort of dog-whistled on for mm -hmm. so long. Donald Trump is probably responsible for more abortions in the, on the island of Manhattan <laughs> than any other man who lives there. 
If I tweeted that, would that be libel? You said probably, right? I did say probably. Oh. Holy fuck, we have a magic word. Oh, yeah. It takes a lot of characters. Is there a shorter one? Oh, probs? Probs. Probs. Do you know what I think? I think think Trump is one of those guys who would, like, make the women carry him to term. Like, just so there's little Trumps out there. Like, you know, here, I'll pay you a million bucks to actually, like, make a little Trump. Secret families. Um, so, we I had a point to say about uh, this lightning rod issue is I think the problem is nobody likes abortion. Nobody is like, yeah, I'm going to get a fun recreational abortion. So it's hard. <laughs> so when you're defending it, you're not even defending abortion so much as access and choice over your life. I, so it just is right. so abstracted that it's easy for Republicans to be like, no, that's evil. That's bad. Whereas if you're on the defensive side of it, you're like, no, I don't like it, but I would like to have this option should something happen, right? You just, it's so removed. We keep falling into this trap. I have no opinion on abortions. It's none of my fucking business what somebody else does. I don't see why I should even have a vote in this situation or why I should even be vocal on my opinion about this because it doesn't apply to me. You, you know what I'm talking about. I feel a little different now that I have a daughter. Like I do. Like I feel a little more into the issue. Like not, not that you're saying you're not into the issue, but like I feel like. No, I'm into the issue very much. And the way I'm into the issue is that this is not my choice Hold on, I want to make sure I phrase this right. Everybody gets to make this choice for themselves. Yeah. That's how I'm into the issue. That's the thing that I want to defend and protect. Everybody's ability to make this choice under their own moral and ethical code, whatever that choice may be, whatever God they pray to or don't pray to, it's not my business. I'm totally good with that too. I think that there's, you can even have reasonable regulations. Like once you get into third trimester, you have to, you know, there's got to be either this reason or X, Y, Z, or, you know, it's got to do this, that. Like I, I am not for that. Yeah, but wait a minute. Do we have those sorts of regulations for other medical procedures? And are those medical procedures voted about, voted uh, for or against in Congress? Well, to, I mean, yes and no, right? And to a certain extent, this is a very unique issue because people view at some stage there to exist another life. And I don't think we on sort of the proverbial left have to be careful in just dismissing that argument. At some point, you know, people have given birth three months in and there's a viable fetus. So what do you do with that argument from sort of a logical and scientific standpoint? Can you say that just out of whimsy, and I know that's doing harm to the like, decision-making process of 99.9% of people in the world. But can you just say that out of whimsy, somebody can decide in the eighth month to terminate a pregnancy? We're doing harm to our argument if we don't sort of address the legitimacy of attempts to regulate that type of stuff. Because that's, that's when you know, Trump comes out in the debate and actually says, well, in Hillary Clinton's world, you know, in the eighth month, you can just you know, kill a kid. And it's bullshit. It's total bullshit. Like, she never advocated that position. She's saying, like, it's, you know, it's reasonable. Yeah, let's talk about what that is. But quite obviously, when you say, when you start closing Planned Parenthood clinics and you start, you know, making them, people have to, you know, go consult with their freaking, you know, religious you know, people and doctors on, on you know, God, it's just such a blatant attempt to influence, you know, influence the outcome that that's just a ludicrous, ludicrous law. Anyway.
This is something I care very deeply about. But what you touched on, Donald Trump describing an abortion procedure that does not exist. Right. When I look at our government, I see even people who are qualified politicians. I see a lot of Donald Trumps. I see older men who are not doctors and they're the ones leading the country. They've never been in that position where their life might be ruined because of an unwanted pregnancy. And describing a procedure that doesn't exist just scares other people into believing him. I don't know that our government should be in charge of regulating medical procedures at that level of detail. And I think it's just the fact that this is such a big issue is reflective of the fact that we have a hugely male government, that there isn't enough female representation up there. No doubt. That and many other issues. 100% agree with everything that you just said. Yeah. There is no place for this issue in government. I think there is room for a little bit of regulation, but no different than any other medical procedure. It's not a religious issue. Mm -mm. It's a medical issue. But also, like, if it is a religious issue, if it is a problem to your religion, just don't do it. No one's forcing you. It can be a religious issue for you. Mm Mm-hmm. But that's between you and yours. Let me ask you this question, though, from like a because I do want to play devil's advocate on this because I've been on your side of this debate <laughs> and, and and I have I have difficulty. Oh, you've like, had a uterus, Gabe. Mike, there's something I have to tell you. <laughs> I, I've been on the side of the debate of like trying to say like defend it and somebody with your stance, right? Just saying the same thing. And the question is, you know, and the medical establishment can probably deal with this rather than state governments, but. What do you do with the situation where like somebody decides, I know the procedure doesn't exist, but are you guys saying that like at eight months, somebody should be able to just for non-medical reasons, terminate a pregnancy? Oh, I mean, what kind of reasons are you thinking? Because I would say that there are probably legitimate reasons. Yeah, like just economic, let's say. I think that's between them and their doctor and their family. I honestly do. I agree, because then when I think, like what out of... Like a spouse died, like the husband died, you're now single income. You can't support another child. There's so many circumstances. Yeah, I don't I don't even wanna wanna study the reasons why that might happen. I honestly believe that that is something that is happening to another person. I don't feel like my morals and my ethics should come into play on somebody else's life at that level. But where does the line get drawn? Like literally when the baby is born? When it it begins to affect me. No, I mean you can't murder someone, right? So when is the baby a someone? I feel like yeah, I'm not a doctor. Yeah, when that baby's born. Although, wait a minute, let me change my answer. I'm going to go with what Steph just said, <laughs> which I think is a much better answer. Uh, why don't you say it? Oh, I just said I'm not a doctor. I don't feel is. qualified to decide that for another individual. Bingo. There's been a lot of scientific research on this, and I've studied it. And, and there's a lot of sort of opinions, but... And the courts have drawn the line at, at the, uh, based on trimesters and said the third trimester is like when a fetus is viable and we're just going to draw the line there based on medical, medical experts. Right, but it's still living inside another person's body. You want, you want me to give you my personal answer for nah, this? I'm just, I'm just testing the waters because I'm going to have this debate with other people on your side. Sorry, I'm going to jump in again. I'm interrupting you, Mike. I, Go ahead. Also, my issue isn't regulating when you can no longer have abortions. It's that Pence wants to eliminate abortions at all. It's an attack on the entire concept. Yeah, I'm not even talking third trimester. I'm just saying eliminating that right to women. Right. But again, like, so part of this too is for the listeners. 
<laughs> I think I, I I hate to say it, but I think we need to like just strategically, and maybe it's the wrong way of thinking. One could convince me, but I think that if if people who really care about other people and the planet and social justice and you know rights for for minority groups and things like that us if us if we want to whether that's democrats or whatever you want to describe it if you want to um have rescue this failing sort of liberal democracy that we have and it's fucking failing you know the this sort of alt right movement is coming up don't say alt right don't say it. not a word As, Nazis. Well, right, okay, so all right, so neo-Nazi movement, whatever you want to call it. Um, I mean, it's, it's scary as shit. It's happening. Um, it's like the Tea Party on steroids, and and you know the Democrats now control less than I think it's like less than two thirds, maybe even less than three quarters of the state houses in the in the country. I mean, it's failing. So if we want to do something about it, we may need to sort of silently on the side talk to our friends and families about this stuff and try to really who do hold these views and like just make progress there and have our officials vote in the ways that we want them to vote, but to stop. And again, this is, I'm not saying this is right. This is something that I've considered. Stop being so vocal about these issues, these divisive issues that the GOP has used like abortion and like same sex bathrooms. I mean, yeah, they don't care. They don't care about these issues. Exactly. And they just use them to divide voters and they use them for these dog whistles. And if, you know, if JT just gets on stage and says, you know, not, not to pat my boy Bernie on the back, but yeah, yeah, obviously, women's right to choose. Yes, I will do everything I can for that. Thank you. But no, like, so that people don't focus on it and they're not guns. Guns is a huge one. Like, don't, don't, don't focus on it. Not Mike, not at you personally, but the politicians that are, that are sitting there on stage, you're scaring the shit out of people, you know, who, who believe what they've been dog whistled at about their guns. Like, just for 2018, let's try a new strategy. Like I'm just saying. Take all uh, the know. guns. Hell, well, that too. Look, you know me. What did I say when you were said, there's no fucking constitutional right to own a gun? There's a huge exist. difference between guns and abortions, Gabe. It's almost, it, they're like to- the exact opposites. Abortions, we're talking about something that's happening inside somebody's body that we are trying to control. And with guns, I'm trying to control the, the fact that somebody can put something in my body that would destroy it. Uh, and then I will also point out that uh, an abortion is a choice an individual takes over themselves, yeah, whereas right? you yeah. go and you shoot other people. Yeah. I don't think anybody who got shot last year chose that. Yeah, you know what they have in common? They're divisive issues that the GOP has used to try to get votes when they have no legitimate platform, right? They don't have a platform, so they pretend that they're that they're anti-abortion and they pretend that they're really enthusiastic and passionate about guns. That makes me just like so sad to think about that hating and denying rights to women is a powerful enough thing to get people on board. Be like, oh, yeah. Just, just saying, hey, remember my candidate's a woman. Oh God was enough most qualified candidate in u.s history yeah but but a woman so she won a lot of the vote a lot more votes she won she won the popular (laughs) vote by the i mean so she got more votes if this is if i'm remembering this correctly than anybody but obama but anyone but obama so yeah we could do another episode on gerrymandering and the 
Recounts are recounts are still the electoral happening, college and all that. So we are just talking about the Democratic Party being fucked and they blew this uh, they blew this election. But like what you just said, she has more votes than any other candidate. But Obama, that's three election that's an, cycles. That's that's an indictment on the Democratic Party. Yeah, if they if they failed to distribute those votes correctly. I don't know about the Democratic Party, but some some people, not Hillary Clinton, some people in this campaign fucked up. I, I don't know what they did. But the fact that, yeah, the fact they, that Michigan, they go and to Michigan and Pennsylvania were lost was it was somehow. But look, they weren't alone. Everybody in the country thought that she was going to stop them, including me, yep. uh, except for maybe a few people. Like They, they, they weren't alone. Um, I don't know what we all missed, but we missed something. Um, so it's like, but I do think that the fact that they, that they got so many more votes and lost those states is like kind of somehow a strategic, strategic fuck up. But yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. I know the recounts are happening, Mike. I don't hold that great hope though. Yeah. I would not be surprised if she took back Michigan and Wisconsin. You don't see Pennsylvania going? That's, it's too big a lead. I think it's too too big a lead. And their process is really, really difficult. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't be... You ever tried buying alcohol in Pennsylvania? Yeah, I've tried Indiana. Seven. You know what a pain in the ass it is to buy alcohol in Pennsylvania, right? I didn't have... Wait, is it just buying alcohol loose? Because I've bought alcohol and I didn't notice anything different. You got to go to a state store. Okay, I went to a cheesesteak place and then a bar. (laughs) That's. I mean, they can serve you alcohol, but like... Like buying a case of beer or buying a couple okay. of bottles of whiskey. I did not do that. You no. can't go to you can't go to Safeway and get your alcohol. Oh, I do remember that. You yes. can't buy beer at the supermarket. Yes, I remember that now because I remember being in Pittsburgh and there was like a Fred Meyer and then a liquor store. Right. And I was like, Gosh. gotta go to the liquor store. Do you have to be like a member of that liquor store, or is it not that bad? You just no, have to it's go not to the right that place. bad. It's like an yeah. alcohol dispensary. <laughs> The liquor stores now are much, much better than they were when I was a kid. When I was a kid, I mean, these are, they're, they're run by the state. They're state-run liquor stores. Mm-hmm. So when I was a kid, I mean, they were designed, it looked like they had like converted a DMV into a liquor store. God. So you walked in, there, were, there was like a guy behind bulletproof plate glass. Oh, God. And one of those doors that they use like in in prisons were like to, to pass food back and forth oh, in the cell. And so you had to, you had to know what you wanted. They would go in the back and get it. I mean, you could kind of see, but you know, the good stuff was in the back. And if you were like 17 with the fake ID and you didn't know your alcohols, you, you walked in and you just had to like look for something. And they always kept the fucking schnapps in the front. And if you didn't know what to ask for, you're like, uh, give me a schnapps right there. And then you would walk out with a bottle of schnapps and your friends would be waiting. And you're like, what'd you get? Schnapps? That good? You're an asshole. My mom always says, um, she's a cashier, that if someone's buying schnapps, that's like you extra have to card them because oh, they're yeah. too stupid to actually be over 21. <laughs> yeah, yeah schnapps. So. The only people who buy schnapps are people who don't know the different kinds of alcohol. Yeah. They're like, oh, candy cane. Like, uh, yeah, that sounds like alcohol. Okay, so I think we've been keeping we Gabe on the line for a while. <laughs> Gabe has a child to go raise. Yeah, yeah. I, it, it's been fun. I, these are good discussions. Thank you so much for coming on the show and yeah, chatting with lot, us man. and schooling us on the law. 
schooling you. Schooling. Good to catch up. I haven't talked to Mike in a while. I know. We should change that. Yeah. Why don't you why don't you take me to a Warriors game? Yeah, that sounds good. I don't have tickets to those like Giants games. We'll have to like, you know, I don't know. We'll have to like sell a sell a pinky or something. Let's trick your dad into buying us tickets to a Warrior ga- game. Warriors game. Courtside. Yeah. Yeah, that's not gonna happen. Ah. I did, he did he did once take me to a courtside game, but he had the some inside connection for that when I was a kid. It was pretty awesome. We actually looked a couple days ago, five hundred bucks for a courtside seat. That's less than I would think it would be. That was to see the Sixers. Yeah, it doesn't even matter though. Like no, just it, to doesn't. Get that. it doesn't. At that level, at the courtside level, it doesn't matter who you're playing. Yeah, that's pretty awesome. All right. Sounds like a plan. All right. By, by the way, no, we're not paying $500 for basketball tickets. Oh, I know. Can we I, get the Warriors to sponsor us and give us tickets? Maybe. Uh, Doubt it. Yeah, how many listeners do you guys have? Well, how many? Well, literally are, dozens. three here. <laughs> we lost Liam today. He's not going to listen to this shit. Yeah, I think they'll pay. I think, that, I think they'll pay. Okay. Oh, totally. That's a, consider that a done deal. I, if I were you, I would just go spend that sponsorship money when you leave here tonight. It's already in your account. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Gabe. Thank you so much. Pleasure. And, and, take care. And uh, thanks, Seven, for, for recording all this. Yeah, uh, thank you. Seven does all the- <laughs> oh, hey, by the way, by the way. Yeah, what's up? The little jingle that we use at the beginning of the show, mm-hmm. that's, uh, that's Dean Sabatino. Yep. Right? Yep. And Dean, who uh, some of you may know as the drummer for the Dead Milkmen, has a new album out on Bandcamp, correct? Yeah, so if you go to Bandcamp and look for Dean Sabatino, you will find his new album. Do you, do you remember what it's called? Anyway, it's there. It'll say relatively new. Specimen number 2016. Yeah. Oh, nice. Go, go buy it and listen to it. It's, it's really good to work to. It's real sweet. Goodbye, everybody. Bye. Thank you. Bye.